Welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Sarah McDooling and I am so excited today to be here talking to two amazing authors of an amazing book, Amy Kaufman and Ryan Gordon, co-authors of The World Between Links. Amy, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it is always a pleasure. Now, this The World Between Links was one of the first books that I read in this year. And um, it was such a joy and has become a book that I'm now obsessively recommending uh, to anyone who asks me. They can't even get the word middle grade out of their mouths before I'm talking about your book. But for anyone listening who who maybe isn't familiar, um, would you mind just telling us a little bit about The World Between Blinks? Yeah, it's... um... It, it is a middle grade novel, but I think one of the things that we've been really enjoying is hearing how many grown-ups have been reading it without without a kid in sight, which is always, I mean, we read middle grade, so that's always a bit of a win. But it's about a pair of cousins who slip from our world into a world where everything lost from our world goes. You know, people, places, things, everything from, you know, the homework that was in your bag to Amelia Earhart. So I've kind of been saying like, Think of it like Narnia, only instead on the other side of the wardrobe is, you know, the Ninth Roman Legion and, <laughs> you know, Atlantis. Uh, and they have to find their way out of this, this world of lost things or they're going to end up lost there forever. It's very fun, very full of history nerd stuff. Oh, yeah, my God. We, we have Sorry, <laughs> No, I was just going to add on um, that we, like, we're both really obsessed with history. Um, and so this was kind of our excuse to do a lot of research um, and get paid for it. Um, but it's also, it ended up being um, incredibly relevant for like COVID era, which we had absolutely, obviously no idea that we were going to be in a global pandemic while we were writing this. But the story, um, just the nature of the story is really about how these two cousins, Jake and Marisol, um, deal with loss and grief because at the beginning of the book um, their grandmother has passed away and they're at her beach house and their parents are getting ready to sell the beach house and so um, the two cousins are dealing with the fallout of that in uh, very unique ways for each of them and so it's the book is about loss um, but it's also about finding things um, so yeah the, the fact that it came out at this time was really weird and serendipitous i guess right. yeah like we had no idea but yeah to, to, to write something that's about learning how to let go of things yeah <laughs> we've all just finished letting go of because it's not just about letting go of someone who's died it's you know it might be moving to a new school or moving to a new house or letting go of the year you thought you were going to have mm. yeah. it was so beautifully done in the book and i wanted to ask about uh, because the 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 nature of how you approach loss. I mean, this is a book about lost things. It's a book about lost people, and lost myths, and lost memories. Um, but uh, Jake and Marisol learn two quite different lessons about managing grief that are both profoundly true and yet kind of opposite of each other. <laughs> so, like learning when the importance of holding on like when it's important to hold on and also how sometimes you need to let go. Um, 
I guess my question is, wasn't that extraordinarily difficult? Did you worry about cancelling out one lesson by delivering the other one? Um, because spot on work, you absolutely did it. And I was in tears several times, but I imagine it would have been quite hard. I mean, it's the thing is, these are lessons we all need to learn and that we all need to learn throughout our lives. So, I mean, I don't want those who are listening to, you know, to things like, you know, we've written like an issue book about grief. Like it's no, a, yeah, it honey, is fun. <laughs> fantasy, but, but also this, because, you know, we can be lots of things, but I mean, I, I think one of the, the things that, that Ryan and I were thinking about a lot as we wrote was the fact that we all, we all have to learn these lessons as we go on through life. We have to learn that sometimes things are worth fighting for and holding on to, but that sometimes things are also worth letting go of or that holding on to the physical version of them doesn't mean that you've really held on to them at all. And I mean, we were, we were both writing about our own grief as we, from, from losing parents as we wrote this book. Um, and I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like Ryan, we've both had a lot of stuff in our life that we've had to figure out when to, when to hold on and when to let go. So it's not so much contradicting lessons as complementary lessons. Two, yeah. two sides of the one coin, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And Jake, especially like his arc, um, he was modeled after um, what a lot of people call a third culture kid. Um, and that is a child who grows up uh, traveling all over the place and doesn't really feel at home in their home country because they haven't spent much time there, but also doesn't never feels at home where they are, wherever they are. So my husband grew up, he was a third culture kid and he has talked a lot about how um, goodbyes are, he, when, when he says goodbye to someone, he just assumes he'll never see them again. And so he processes grief very differently than I have. And so I was like, Jake's arc was a way for me to explore um, that third culture kid uh, mindset and mentality. And it was so well done to go from chapter to chapter and be like, you hold on, Jake, don't you ever let go. And then you're, <laughs> then you're over with Marisol and you're like, okay, you might need to let go of this. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but because we both have that. So, like we all have that in, our, in yeah. our daily lives, right? Like we all have, I mean, the reason that, that there was a, a Marie Kondo fad was we all know that we hold on to stuff that, yeah. that like the stuff isn't the thing, you know, like, like the, what's important is not embodied in that, in that stuff. And you have to learn to let go of it. But we all also have these moments that instinctively we know are, are precious and we have to hold on to. Uh, so we've, we've covered a bit about how beautifully you write about grief in the book, but I, do think we should stress that this is a super fun read and it's a great, wonderful adventure. Like so many adventures where kids go off to different worlds, they do come back having learnt lessons, but, but most importantly, they come back having had a wild adventure. Mm. Um, so let's talk about all of the amazing creatures and monsters and historical facts um, in this book. Did either of you in researching this book, like what was the coolest thing you learnt? Oh man. So like I said before, like usually when I'm writing, whenever I like start writing a book, I use it as an excuse to like research a time period or something that I'm super interested in. Um, but with this book, it was really cool. Cause I we just got to like jump around all sorts to all sorts of different famous people and eras and like people who I was really fascinated with when I was in school. So, I mean, I think most school children, are obsessed with what happened to Amelia Earhart. Um, and then Nessie was like a huge uh, childhood obsession of mine. So we had to slip 
Nessie in. But I think some of the really cool, um, some of the really cool facts that we learned um, were things like that Queen Nefertiti, uh, she liked wearing dark blue wigs, but no one knows what she actually looked like. There's no real record of, uh, you know, how, what she, what her appearance was, um, except that she liked wearing dark blue wigs. Um, and then another cool factoid that I found out was that um, uh, there's Port Royal in Jamaica. It's uh, disappeared into the ocean, and so now it's in the underwater city complex in the world between blinks. Um, but before it vanished from our world, it was a port for lots of nefarious pirates, including the famous Blackbeard, um, who he, he partied really hard there, and he met a howler monkey who he loved so much that he named him Jefferson and then took him on his ship uh, to have adventures. So it's just like stuff like that that seems like it, it belongs in a book and is actually real life. And so then we put it in the book. Yeah, I mean, that's why we ended up having in the back of the book, there's an appendix that that tells you about all of the historical stuff you find. And part of that was because we just kept saying to each other, no one is ever going to believe this is real. They're going to think we made this up. But every detail that's in the book is real. If we didn't know, we didn't put it in. So like, that's why Nefertiti's wigs gets to get described. But, you know, we don't, for instance, we don't mention the color of her skin because we don't actually know. And there's a huge range of, of options there, but, you know, as there was in, in Egypt at that time. Um, I think for me, the stuff that fascinates me the most uh, is places because I love walking around, you know, abandoned and lost places and kind of imagining what it might have been like or who might have lived there and what their lives were like. So there's a, um, a market that the kids go to in a Roman town called Ostia Antica, uh, which I've been to. And at the time, you know, I visited, it was years before we started working on Blinks. And, and I, I went there with my husband and a friend who is an expert in, in ancient Roman history. And she took us through and she showed us, you know, dug up, like, you know, brushed aside the, the dust and showed us bits of, of mosaics and, you know, took us into little sort of half ruined buildings and explained, oh, you know, this would have been a stall. And, the, you know, the guy would have stood over here and, you know, the goods would have been on the counter here. And when, and, and I just, you know, I wandered through it and I thought, I wonder what you were like. I wonder who you were. You know, I wonder how it looked when it was alive. And so getting to bring it to life was amazing. And, and we went back to that friend of mine uh, and she supplied all these fantastic details like Jake and Marisol walked past all these big statues of wrestlers because the wrestlers were the celebrities of the day and they, there were big statues of them down the middle of the street. And there's even little bits of graffiti and little signs that say donkey for hire. They, they have been found in Ostia Antica. So, you know, there are records of them. So every little detail that we put in is a real detail. Uh, but, you know, whether it was, whether it was there or whether it was the, the underwater cities, you know, I found a Roman underwater city that used to be the Vegas of the ancient world. <laughs> like, what? You know, why don't we talk about this more? Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I was like, why don't we talk about this more? But yeah, for me, it was exploring the abandoned places and then getting to, to do what I've been doing my whole life and actually imagine them alive was really, really cool. I loved getting to the appendix at the end. Um, it, uh, going through it really sparked off some um, interesting Googling spirals for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the joy of this book. I think 
while you're reading it, um, you know, kids are, kids are going to just take at face value a lot of what you've put in there might be made up. But getting yeah. to the end um, and realising how much of it is real, mm-hmm. but all squished together in one world in this fantastic way. Can we talk about how cool Oz is? Just for <laughs> a moment. <laughs> yeah. What so, a beautiful, what a beautiful pet. <laughs> yeah, so Oz is, Oz is a Tasmanian tiger. Uh, you know, the idea is that as a species becomes extinct, uh, just a few representatives of it slip away into the world between blinks to, to represent the whole of the lost species, and Oz is one of them. And uh, Oz is a slightly mysterious animal companion who you know, does, doesn't do anything that a Tasmanian tiger wouldn't do, but also just seems to know everyone and seems to kind of know everything and acts as a bit of a guide and a pass. Everyone welcomes the kids because they're with, they're with Oz. And uh, we spoke to the Tasmanian Aboriginal Centre uh, because we didn't just want to say Tasmanian tiger because, you know, that's, that's the name that white settlers gave when they came along. Uh, so we spoke to them and, and got permission uh, to use the word Kaparunina instead, um, just, just the once because, again, you know, the kids aren't First Nations, so we didn't want to do that either. But we wanted to sort of reflect the fact that, I mean, one, you know, that species is extinct because of white settlers, but that, two, it was there before white settlers came along and named it. Um, but Oz is great. Oz is addicted to snacks. Oz is... Yeah, kind of mysteriously for everywhere they go, people are like, oh, hi, Oz. <laughs> but you never quite find out. I mean, we know, but you never quite find out. How, how do they know Oz? How did that happen? He was, he was one of my favourites. I have to say, out of, out of all the um, people and things we meet in the world between blinks, my favourites were Oz and Amelia Earhart, because how can you not? Is one of you more of an Amelia Earhart like, fan than the other? Or was it a mutual love? I think it was mutual. It's, it's mutual, but I think Ryan went a little deeper in the research than me yeah. and, and, and brought back cool things like the smelling salts and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we tackled research. We kind of assigned, we, we gave each other homework assignments, basically. So, um, you know, Amy was like, okay, you take Amelia Earhart and the Frost Fair and X, Y, and Z, and I'll do Percy Fawcett, the Lost City of Z, and all of these things. Uh, so, yeah, I got to research Amelia um, and found out lots of really cool things. Like, she loved Chinese food, but she couldn't, like, fit it in the cockpit to eat, so she kind of subsisted on hot cocoa and boiled eggs when she was flying, and she kept herself awake with smelling salts and that was the little like green glass bottle that was in her jacket pocket and the kids discover it when they're like going through their things um, in the customs line. But yeah, it was, it was fun to be able to bring her to life. Um, as we imagined her, we like watched some videos um, and heard her like speak and her real voice, which we, I hadn't known existed before. Wow. Um, I didn't know yeah. that. Wow. Yeah, there's there's like a few clips where she's talking about her flight and, you know, it's a very like 1940s, 1950s accent, like, you know, the very, hey there, like, you like know, Catherine TV Hepburn. impersonation. Yeah, <laughs> she's a little stilted because she's reading yeah. off cue cards. You can tell there's a cue card beside the, the camera to tell her what to say, but you still yeah. also very much get a sense of who she is. Yeah. Oh, I need to track that down. Mm-hmm. 
uh, yeah. Ryan, yeah, kind of homework assignments. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If there's ever a book that's going to um, super entertain you, get you thoughtful about you know memory and grief and the meaning of life, while also entertaining you, <laughs> it is this book. Um, Ryan, this is your is this your first experience co-writing? Yes, it yes. is. <laughs> um, it's, it, it's, so it's really funny. Um, literally like the week before Amy emailed me to like propose that we write this book together, I was like, huh, I wonder if I could like, I think writing a book with Amy would be really fun. And so it's like one of those, again, like one of those like serendipitous moments where a week later, our agent like posted some something on social media that was uh, that inspired us to like start talking about the idea. Um, and I never, I, Amy was always the person I would want, want to co-write with. So it, it worked out pretty well. <laughs> I love the origin story actually of, of this book. Um, <laughs> can, can you tell us a little bit about how the real life thing that kind of sparked the first idea? Yeah. Well, you know what, why don't, I'll, I'll talk about the first thing that got posted and then you talk about what you, what you told me next, Ryan, because that's kind of where it yeah, really okay. off. <laughs> so, so we, we share a literary agent and, and she posted this, this uh, article, which was about this island off the coast of North Carolina uh, that had just come into being. So, you know, kind of tides and, and a sandbank and whatever had conspired to sort of create this temporary island. And then a few little plants had started to sprout on it and there was sort of, you know, some whale bones and some shark's teeth. And the National Park Service started getting queries about who owned the island, which is how it made the news. And they said, look, it's off the coast of a national park, but unless a land bridge forms, we don't own it. It's actually currently unclaimed, but nobody get too excited because it's going to be gone again soon. And our agent posted this article saying, you know, an island that, is, that comes and is there and then will be gone again, like, authors, you know what to do. And I was, and, and I replied and said, do I ever? And Ryan was like, oh yeah. And she was like, not you two, you're busy. Stop it. No, no, no. You, you have plenty of books to be writing. Um, and then Ryan was like, well, you think your island is cool. I see it and I raise you. <laughs> yeah. So I live one state down from North Carolina. So I'm in South Carolina. Um, and there's a beach about 15 or 20 minutes from where I live called uh, Folly Beach, which is where the opening scene of uh, the World Between Blinks takes place. Um, but off the coast of Folly Beach is a place called the Morris Island Light. And it's a lighthouse that used to stand in the middle of an island um, that was large enough for a civil war battle to take place on. Um, but after they built a bunch of jetties in the Charleston Harbor and that started some an erosion process that started stripping away the sand at really quick rates. Um, so the island was eaten away um, in the just about 50 years or less. Um, and so the like house and everything around uh, the lighthouse um, fell into the sea, but uh, the lighthouse is still standing and it's in the middle of the ocean now. And people have poured millions upon millions of dollars to keep it standing. Um, so I posted about this and just the idea of, Amy said something about like, oh wow, it's like the guardian of a lost land. Like all of that land vanished underneath <laughs> it and all of that. And so then that got our brains turning about like, oh, a lost land, a land where everything that's lost ends up. And then, yeah, she was like emailing me. She's like, do you want to write this book together? And like in five minutes, I was like, yes, 
<laughs> That's how it started. <laughs> and then we lied to our literary editor. Yeah. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> yeah, she told us we were too busy, so we, we didn't say a word. We just, like, like two little kids who were doing something behind mom's back. We just, like, <laughs> snuck around for six months and giggled and conspired. And, you know, it was actually completely magical because so often when you're a published writer, you're writing knowing how many people are going to read it and you sort of really have to make a conscious effort to close the door of, you know, I mean, Stephen King says, write with the door closed, edit with the door open. And you do have to make a real effort to close the door and shut out all of the voices and all the people who might want something and just start by creating. And because literally no one but, but us and our husbands knew that this book was happening, we just had this joyful creation. And then one day out of nowhere, we just dropped the first 50 pages, you know, and, and an explanation in her lap and went, oh, whoops, sorry, we wrote a book. <laughs> that is amazing. A secret was, book about lost things. I love it. He was delighted. <laughs> um, so the way that this book kind of wraps up leaves things incredibly open for um, another a return to the mm -hmm. world between links. Are you able to confirm or deny if that is happening? Yeah, we could confirm that we have finished writing the sequel <laughs> already. It's with yes. our editor right now. Uh, so uh, I would, I mean, we haven't confirmed the publication date yet, but I would expect you would see it 12 months after the first one. So coming And is there more, like how do you envision a length for this series or is it um, book to book? Not sure. Well, Sarah, that's up to you, really. Um, Me? We, we Personally? Were... Because I say 10 books. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, um, well, I mean, we, look, we could write them for a very long time, but oh. one, of, one of the door open things about publishing is uh, you've got to wait and see what the demand is. You know, our publisher will only keep publishing the series if enough people jump on board. So, you well, know. Well, I mean, the book's been out for a few months and I, we've been having a great time with it at Booktopia, just selling, selling, selling. Uh, That's why I think it's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> I accept this challenge. Um, it's been out there. I think it's, it's been super well received. And um, I wanted to ask both of you if you've had like a, a piece of feedback from a young reader that really touched you. Um, it has been pretty special hearing about them. Um, I don't know about you, Ryan. I think probably for me, my my favorite is is a young reader who um, who sent me a drawing uh, oh. of them in the world between blinks, and and I know that that young reader's mom is really sick right now, and the giving giving them somewhere to escape into blinks at the moment, and you know, I mean, they're a young, they're young, so they they didn't say, you know, this this book really allowed me to get away from my troubles. <laughs> Yeah. You know, the fact that they kind of read it and loved it and took the time to, to draw pictures of it tells me that they are getting to be somewhere else a little bit when they need to, and that was really special. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, Ryan? Yeah, there was, um, well, there was a kid at the book club we were answering questions the other day for, and she was like, I really love this book. I have read it. I'm on my third time reading it. And I was like, it hasn't even been out for a month yet. And <laughs> wow. Like, that was amazing. Um, yeah. So that was really cool. And then I think some of the most powerful feedback I have gotten is from um, parents who are reading this book to their kids, um, yeah. who then in turn 
um, have expressed to me, Amy and I, that um, it's helped them process their own grief uh, of losing Mm -hmm. loved ones or, you know, something like that. And writing it, uh, especially for me, I wrote it while I was losing my mom. And so a lot of that is me processing my own grief. And so to to hear that it helped someone else uh, through their own personal journey with that was, uh, is really gratifying. Yeah. It's a really special book. There's, there's so much love in it. You can really, I think you can really feel that when you're reading it. Um, yeah, it was, I, I mean, I, I feel like we all say this all the time, but like, it was a particularly special book to write. It was the the whole time we were writing, we knew that something was happening while we were doing it. We knew we were writing a particularly special story. And I mean, I remember, I don't know what book I was talking to you about for, on the podcast, Sarah, but I remember telling you about one like, of the four that came out last year. Maybe. <laughs> oh, you mean my four <laughs> pandemic novels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And a novella, let's not forget. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. Um, But I remember saying to you at the time, like, it's tricky because you kind of want to grab people by the lapels and and look them in the eye and say, no, trust me, this is really special. Mm. But, of course, we all say that about all our books because, you know, we all feel that way. But it is, I've sort of been trying to say to people, like, if you need a bit of an escape right now, this is this is we got it for you this is the book you know it's we had we took such joy in writing it and I think that does come out of it I think you feel it when you read it how joyful it was you you truly do I have enjoyed both of your books and um and like it's not that this is it's not like better or worse it's just it's just special and it hits you in on multiple levels because it's super fun and charming and lovely and, and lighthearted, but it also has this real heart. And um, I think that's the thing that I, I'm so glad I began this year reading the book. It was just a great way to begin 2021. Um, this is, we've reached the part of the podcast where I ask you what's up next. We've touched on the fact that you've got another Blink novel coming perhaps um, 12 months from now. Mm-hmm. But um, in the interim, uh, are there things that you're able to talk about coming up? Um, Ryan, you're top secret, aren't you? So I'm going to have to answer this Ryan is no comment. (laughs) Um, Ryan just has to look like an international woman of mystery right now. Um, But uh, what what do I have coming, Sarah? Um, So I guess I've got the sequel to The Other Side of the Sky coming, uh, which is my my YA series, my latest with with Megan Spooner. Uh, That is... uh, I, well, I was I was up early this morning working on it with her, so it's it's still in progress, but it's going pretty well. Uh, and oh, and I nearly forgot I've got the third Aurora book as well. Um, how I forgot that when I begin every <laughs> day, every day people are asking you about it. <laughs> oh my goodness! Literally, you know, I can jump on social media at the moment and be like, I'm eating a really lovely sandwich, and people be like what's the title of the third Aurora book? You know, and I'm like, look at this gorgeous sunset. And they're like, when do we see the cover? Um, <laughs> it's, it's, You've trained people to expect these things very regularly. It's a pretty um, intense readership. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, thank heavens for all of our sakes. The answer is they will have all of that information in the next couple of weeks. Uh, oh my so gosh. They can, they can start their countdowns and stop, <laughs> stop asking. Uh, I will yeah. say um, that, 
so in at, at the time of recording this podcast, I'm buying um, books for May. Mm-hmm. And part of that process is comparing um, to last May. Mm-hmm. I'm like, gosh, YA was having a really great time in in May 2020. I wonder what, what was that all about? And um, it was pretty much two books. <laughs> and it was uh, Aurora 2 and um, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes just like, dominating that space and I mean and creating the kind of sales which I don't think we replicated this many <laughs> well I don't know I mean you know that's Suzanne Collins she can move she can move a unit or two um I've been told but oh you're humble yeah, I am very excited for Aurora 3 to come out because I really, I'm not usually this confident, but like we really stuck the landing. Oh my and, and Jay told me the other day that he thinks the this, the, the finale section that I wrote is the best thing I've written. So Ooh. I don't, I don't know if that's true, but I'm pretty happy with it. So how's that for a teaser? I mean, not that you need to tease this book. Well, <laughs> very ready. <laughs> it's um, I mean, it's an extremely complex series with a lot of balls in the air and. You know, and a hell of a cliffhanger that people have been on. Um, people got a lot madder about that than I anticipated. Um, <laughs> that, that one's on me. I did that. Uh, but I think it's that because I know what happens next, I forget that it's a cliffhanger. Yeah. Other people it. don't know that, Amy. Other people yeah. are in the dark. <laughs> no, I see that now. I see that. This is why you get yelled at on Twitter all day. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I did do this to myself. I understand that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's yelling funny. from long, right? It is, but gosh, there's a lot of it, Sarah. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's quite loud sometimes, uh, but that's okay. It's from love. But um, anyone yeah, so. who's upset should go back and reread to prepare themselves. Right? Yes. Yeah, they'll be happy. Yeah. yeah. I'm braced for when uh, you and Jay come out with a title or a cover, the kind of internet-breaking response that's going to happen. <laughs> um, I'm sure we'll be scrambling at Booktopia to get things up on the website in time for people to pre-order. It's always, it's a, it's always a really fun time when you guys announce a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people do not see the logistics that go on behind the scenes. <laughs> Um, and Ryan, I know you're not allowed to talk about anything, but are you even able to give us like a time frame for like when you would be able to talk about anything? Oh, I wish. Um, <laughs> well, so I have a lot of irons in the fire, I will say right now, and uh, they range all the way from middle grade to YA to adult. So hopefully at some point within the next year, I can say when my next book will be coming out. But yeah. I love it. There is one in particular. Nope. There's one in particular I'm very excited about, and that. Yep. I'm. I'm going to be. You just can't say anything. <laughs> no, I just can't say anything. But no, I'm going to be ready to be a hype machine when it's time. Oh, I look. I look forward to hearing all about it. Um. So we're at, we're a bit over time. Um. We'll have Surprise. to wrap things up. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to. Amy and Ryan. I wanted to thank you both so much. Oh, thank you for having us, yeah. Sarah. It's it, your support for the book has meant the world. But also, I think what listeners might not know is that 
for me, like I've never released a book until Sarah has, has given it the stamp of approval. Oh my God. <laughs> Sarah, because Sarah buys the books of Booktopia. She gets to read them early. And for me, it's like not a release until I get a Sarah McDooling email being like, yep, you did it. Oh, oh so, that's amazing. That's... No pressure, Sarah, but you know. I I'm very, you, very yeah. touched by that. Really? Um, and I, look, I love reading them all. And, uh, and especially this one. And podcast listeners, you can grab your copy of The World Between Links by Amy Kaufman and Ryan Gordon, as well as all of Amy's uh, previous books and all of Ryan's previous books online at Booktopia or at your local bookstore. Thanks for listening and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com dot au